For many Christians, the Sabbath means an hour-long service, maybe a bit longer, and a Sunday school class. Then you go for brunch. For Jews, it's three services, one of which lasts three hours if you're lucky. I'm Rabbi Jordan Parr, and this is Torah for Christians. Welcome to Torah for Christians. I'm Rabbi Jordan Parr. As we learned last week, Shabbat is the most important of the many Jewish holidays. It is a weekly occurrence celebrating God's commandment to rest one day a week. But for us, much of our Shabbat rituals and routines occur in the sanctuary. There are three major services on the Shabbat. The first is the Friday evening service called in Hebrew, Kabbalat Shabbat, welcoming the Sabbath. On Shabbat morning, we hold the morning service called Shachrit, literally meaning dawn. And then on Shabbat afternoon is the Mincha service, a brief but beautiful time to celebrate Shabbat. Each of these three services has a particular theme. Kabbalat Shabbat, the evening service, is an echo of creation, when God commanded rest for humanity. Shacharit, the morning service, echoes revelation, the moment when Israel stood at Sinai, ready to receive the Torah. Finally, the Mincha, afternoon service, echoes redemption, when God delivers Israel and sends the Messiah to earth. Back to Kabbalat Shabbat, the evening service. When the sun sets on a Friday night, Shabbat begins. In the synagogue, we celebrate the start of Shabbat by singing Psalms 95 through 99, and then Psalm 29, ascribe to the eternal God's majestic glory, worship the eternal in sacred splendor. Depending upon the custom of the congregation, some or all of these songs are sung in Hebrew, using many different melodies, and sometimes we read English translations as well. In Jewish lore, Israel is personified as a bride, and Shabbat is a symbolic marriage between God and Israel. On Shabbat, we receive a neshama yitzah, an additional soul, the soul of Shabbat. Our blessings on Shabbat are doubled. Everything tastes sweeter, and life is just better because Shabbat is also a taste of the world to come. The Lachadodi, the hymn sung after these psalms, reflects these thoughts. Written by Rabbi Shlomo Alevi Alkabetz, a rabbi and Kabbalist in 16th century Safed, the refrain is translated as, Come, my beloved, to greet the bride. Beloved, come and greet Shabbat. The poem concludes, Come in peace, O crown of your husband, meaning God. Enter in gladness, enter in joy. Come to the people that keeps faith. Enter, O bride. Enter, O bride. A fun feature of this poem is that it is an acrostic, a popular way to write Hebrew poetry, found as early as in the Psalms. An acrostic is a poem or song that follows a certain alphabetic pattern. For example, stanza one starts with an A, stanza two with a B. Stanza three with a C. You get the idea. 
and Lahadodi, the first letter of each verse, spells out the name Shlomo Halevi, the name of the composer. Not only is this pretty cool, but it's also a great way to remember how each verse begins. After Lachadodi, Kabbalat Shabbat continues with Psalm 92. In the Bible, Psalm 92 begins with the words, a psalm, a song for Shabbat. What could be more appropriate? Finally, Kabbalat Shabbat concludes with Psalm 93, a psalm that proclaims God's glory. Now, if you think that this is the sum total of the evening service, you would be sadly mistaken. There is a complete evening service that follows Kabbalat Shabbat, but it is mercifully short. The entire Friday evening service lasts for about an hour to an hour and a half, depending on whether there is a sermon. In the Reformed tradition, Friday night is the major Shabbat service. In other Jewish streams, it is Saturday morning. Regardless of tradition, though, the service ends with a kiddush, the blessing over the wine. Now, remember when I said that Kabbalah Shabbat Friday night celebrates creation? Here is when we see it most clearly. During the Friday night kiddush, we celebrate the creation of the world. We also recall the exodus from Egypt. Both events are reasons to celebrate, to bless God's beneficence in creating not only the universe, but also in creating the Jewish people itself. Technically, Kabbalat Shabbat begins at sunset. Of course, sunset is much later in July than it is in December, so the start time can vary greatly. Daylight savings time only pushes summer start times later. Except for the most orthodox among us, most Jews set a fixed time for this service. Some congregations begin at, say, 6.15 p.m. with a brief early service, while others might hold their service at 7.30 or even 8 o'clock. An earlier service enables us to go home and enjoy a leisurely dinner, starting later forces us to eat before we go to the synagogue. In a minute, we will talk about the other services we hold during Shabbat, the morning and afternoon services. I'm Rabbi Jordan Parr. And this is Torah for Christians. Welcome back to Torah for Christians. I'm Rabbi Jordan Parr. Before we return to our discussion of Shabbat, I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. Please remember to review and rate this episode on Apple, Spotify, Facebook, or whatever service you are using. Also, please go back and listen to previous episodes if you have not done so already. And if you would like to read my weekly Torah study, please go to Bible Stories They Never Taught You in Religious School, available for free on www.substack.com. And now, this and many previous episodes are available on our brand new YouTube channel. Please subscribe. After Kabbalat Shabbat ends and we enjoy a festive dinner, we get up the next morning and return to the synagogue for our Shachrit morning service. In all our streams, this is a major and long service. It is also the service that most echoes biblical and rabbinic customs. The first and perhaps greatest highlight of this service is the reading of the Torah. 
we divide the five books of Moses into 54 segments and read one segment each week sequentially. The Torah service is designed as a weekly reenactment of the Israelites standing on Mount Sinai. The rabbi almost always delivers a sermon on Shabbat morning. Usually the sermon is taken from the weekly Torah portion, showing how this ancient wisdom is vital and relevant in our contemporary lives. In an echo of biblical Judaism, conservative and orthodox congregations add the Musaf service following the sermon. Musaf actually means additional. Why do we add a service? Don't we have enough already? If you recall, the priests in the Jerusalem temple offered a daily sacrifice, but on Shabbat, they offered an additional Musaf sacrifice. The Musaf service then reminds us of that special Shabbat sacrifice during temple times, even though we offer no sacrifices today. Finally, there's one more important element to the Shacharit service. This is the service in which a young person becomes a bar or bat mitzvah. We talked about this ceremony in a previous episode, so we won't repeat the specifics here. But in the context of Shabbat morning, we must remember that when we reenact the Sinai experience, our children often lead us to the mountaintop. After the Shacharit service, we often go home or to a friend's home for a leisurely meal. We'll talk about these meals and other home customs in our next episode, but one thing that a lot of Jews do on Shabbat afternoon is take a nap. Think about it. If you work five or six days a week and then celebrate Shabbat with big meals and long services, you need to take a nap. But then when you awake, you can go back to the synagogue for the Mincha afternoon service. Mincha was another temple sacrifice offered every afternoon. So yes, the service reflects this sacrifice, but it also focuses on redemption. If Kabbalah Shabbat is for creation and Shacharit is for revelation by reading the Torah, Mincha points us to the future. Instead of reading this week's Torah portion, for example, we read a selection from next week's portion. This shows our forward thinking as well as our hope that next week will be better than this one. There is also a brief but beautiful service at the close of Shabbat called Havdalah. Havdalah means separation. With Havdalah, we make a formal separation when the sun sets and the stars come out, dividing Shabbat from the other six days of the week. We do this by reversing the Shabbat table blessings the blessings over wine, bread, and candles, and then praying for the return of Elijah the prophet in the coming week to herald the Messianic era. We'll talk more about this next week, but suffice it to say that we can recite the Havdalah service either in the synagogue or more frequently at home. All in all, the way that we celebrate Shabbat is unique, done with meaning and feeling, Shabbat can revolutionize our lives, bring meaning to our routines, and highlight what in our lives is holy and what is not. I want to thank you for listening to Torah for Christians. Please remember to rate and review this and previous episodes on Apple, Spotify, or other streaming services. You can also like and hear us on Facebook, and now you can subscribe to the podcast 
on YouTube. Next week, we will continue with our four-part series on Shabbat. We will focus on how we celebrate Shabbat at home, the Shabbat table service, Shabbat songs, Havdalah, and especially Shabbat food. Stay tuned. Finally, I have begun to publish a weekly Torah study called Bible Stories They Never Taught You in Religious School. It's available for free on www.substack.com. You can also sign up on Substack for the newsletter to appear every Friday in your inbox. Have a wonderful week and remember, Behold, and how pleasant it is for us to dwell together as one. Till we meet again, I'm Rabbi Jordan Parr, and this is Torah for Christians.